It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Together, we are the Locked On Bengals podcast, the only place for you to get five days a week Cincinnati Bengals coverage. Thanks for making us your first listen today. This episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast is brought to you by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package, visit onlocationexp.com slash sb56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. And James, I sure hope we're talking Super Bowl this year. I would enjoy (laughs) that greatly. But the road to the Super Bowl, they have to get to 8-5. and That's, That's the first step. Their playoff hopes took a hit last week losing to the Los Angeles Chargers and to get back on the right path to the AFC playoffs, which is where you need to start. If you want us to start talking Super Bowl on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, it's this week with the San Francisco 49ers. So the good news first on this injury report, right, is Joe Burrow practiced a little bit. T Higgins practiced a little bit. Those guys both were limited along with Trey Hopkins and Riley Reef. Those guys all very important. The, the two pieces of shaky news on the injury report are Cheeto Bayabuzier listed as a non-participant in practice and Joe Mixon still dealing with an illness. So those two guys were still watching, but at least for the rest of the starters, some good news. And you can throw Trey Waynes into that mix too. For sure. You know, a, a lot of good overall. The, the way, I, you know, as we record this on Thursday night, one, Joe Burrow throwing passes. Uh, I saw him firsthand accurate. Nothing on the pinky. We're talking about glove. We're talking about wrap. Uh, I, I posted some video at all Bengals, and I took my um, – I zoomed in really, really far on my newest iPhone, which I give an Apple a plug, and I could see – yeah, you could see his hand pretty clear, and he's throwing pitches and different things like that. You won't be able to see it as clear uh, on the video that I posted because you're not going to be able to zoom in like that unless uh, you know you have some crazy computer. Anyways – uh, nothing on the the pinky, so it might be lack of um, lack of uh, pain tolerance, almost, or, you, you know, or, or being willing to deal with more pain um, for less comfort. In that, you know, that's part of it, or depending on how you want to say it. But he wants to be able to grip the ball a certain way, and and we saw that on Sunday when he was trying to uh, trying to play through it and, and trying to use you know gloves, wraps, and things like that. So I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't put anything on that hand since he practiced that way on Thursday. We'll see Friday if he has a glove or anything like that. Uh, as far as the other guys are concerned, I was surprised that Wouzier was considered uh, or, or was a DNP on Thursday because he went through a pretty extensive workout on the, the rehab field during the open portion 
uh, of the media sprinting, uh, going through ladder, you know, the ladder drills, different variations, one foot, the other foot. And obviously he's dealing with a foot injury. So who knows? Maybe it's precautionary. Maybe there's a chance he suits up Sunday. I certainly wouldn't rule it out as of right now. By the time you hear this, depending on when you listen, maybe it's old news. Uh, and yeah, Trey Wayne's look good as well. T Higgins looked like his normal self. Uh, the linemen were out there. So overall, I think the the Bengals relatively healthy. I think Waynes has a shot to play. Cheeto, we'll see. And the other one, Joe Mixon, feels precautionary again. You don't want to get your teammates sick. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he can get back to the team on Friday and suit up because they're obviously going to need him if they're going to beat the 49ers. Yeah, at this point, you wonder how precautionary they can be. If guys can play, do they have the luxury at seven and five and on the fringe of the AFC playoffs, still in the playoffs, by the way, if the season were to end today, I believe they are a seven seed in or six seed, six seed, six yeah. seed, yep. six seed. So could be worse. It could be on the outside looking in, but they, they do have difficult games and they have to finish the season with some wins, including they have Baltimore, they have Cleveland, they have the chiefs and, and obviously the, the 49ers and the Broncos. So good news for Joe Burrow. Hopefully Mixon gets better. You never know with these kinds of things, what kind of illness it is, how long it might linger. You never know with Cheeto either, how how they're going to handle his injury. I bet if it was earlier in the season, you're right, we wouldn't see him. And we'll see how that plays out this week. On Joe Burrow, real quick, before we move off of Bengals injuries, looking at him on the sideline, I really think that the the tape and the gloves and the different things they tried on the pinky we're causing him more pain. I, I thought that watching his reactions to trying to throw the football on the sideline, he looked more comfortable with no tape. And the few times that, you know, they zoomed in on that, they had the black tape on his pinky. I remember he tries to throw the ball. That was the worst grimace I think we got from mm-hmm. Joe Burrow. So to me, not terribly surprising that, that he's trying with that. Like he, he's always kind of said in press conferences, Oh, we'll see what the glove is like. And then he never wears a glove. Have you ever seen Joe Burrow wear a glove? So I have actually, he warmed up with it a couple times. Warmed up. up sure. But like not in, in a Baltimore? game, right? Yeah, I know. But that, that's the, you know, the weird part, right? Um, he but tries, yeah, d- and then d- he decides d- he doesn't like it. Yeah. And, and, and so that, that might be the case. He might've uh, threw a glove on, the moment we walked out of practice and he might've tried it without anything and then uh, go from there. I, I know that Zach Taylor's given him the freedom to try whatever works best for you. And um, the, the, the scary part is though, and, and I was talking to someone earlier this week, uh, a physical therapist, he's like, look, if it gets hit, it's more susceptible to happening again. And so that's the part you don't want it to get hit. So uh, it's obviously good that uh, Trey Hopkins and Riley Reef are uh, trending in the right direction for Sunday. Yeah, protection, game script, all these things that we talked about a little bit with the 49ers guys yesterday going to be very important. A couple quick 49ers injury notes. We don't have a full injury report from the 49ers yet as they're a West Coast team. However, there, there were a couple of reports. Debo Samuel working with trainers on Thursday. So I would still say that, you know, he's not practicing. He, he probably still looks doubtful. Uh, and Brian said that yesterday wasn't trending in the right direction for him. Elijah Mitchell remained sidelined the 49ers running back with his concussion. So 
that Jermichael Hasty waiver scoop we talked about. Unless you think the Bengals can shut down the 49ers rushing game, which we'll talk about in a little bit, <laughs> you know, that might be a fantasy target. So let's dive into some keys to the game, James, and some of the things that are going to matter from a from a matchup perspective and from a game script perspective. I again think the game script is going to be big this week. And, and let's dive into those keys coming up next. But first, well, yeah, we are talking Super Bowl, like Jake mentioned, Super Bowl 56 at SoFi, less than 100 days away, which is insane. And on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats. Choose from elite experiences featuring exclusive pregame celebrations with NFL legends, five-star Los Angeles hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit on location exp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's on location exp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. And if you're preparing for your trip to the Super Bowl, you need a little snack to get you over your airplane ride. Maybe you're flying somewhere for a holiday and you want to have something that's convenient, tastes delicious, and is nutritious, hits all your macros. James loves his macros. You know he does. And knowing that about James and knowing that he told me before we started recording that he ate two Built Bars, grab yourself some Built Bars for your holiday flights. They've got a ton of flavors going on right now over at Built.com. You can check out their expanded holiday collection. Maybe you want something with a little cherry in it or my personal favorite, the coconut brownie chunk with a real pieces of brownie literally in a protein bar, which blows my mind every time I take a bite. So go check them out. Built.com, a ton of great flavors with great protein content, with low sugar, with low fat, with real chocolate. Really don't know how you beat it. Again, Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. James, game script. Remember when all we used to talk about on this program when it came to keys to the game was game game script, it felt like? And now here we are, two weeks in a row, where we're talking game script. And again, this week, I think we we talked about in earlier episodes, it's a little bit for different reasons. But here I'm looking at Bosa and Eric Armstead and thinking – Man, the Bengals the last few weeks when they've had to pass, when they're down 10 plus points, I I know that it's been different combinations, but it's been ugly. So if you can avoid getting yourself in that situation, avoid turning the ball over on your first possession, which they've struggled to do lately, I imagine is, is something that is top of mind and should be easily avoidable because a lot of the scripted stuff has looked a lot better lately and mm-hmm. they just have to finish those drives. So starting the right way, getting the run game going early against a better run defense this week, because we heard Eric Crocker talk about this in our crossover. The 49ers are actually pretty good in pass defense overall, pretty sound defense over there. So as much as we love the Bengals weapons and Joe Burrow, and I still have confidence in his ability to throw the football when he needs to, we saw it against the chargers last week, another good pass defense in terms of their results this year. Getting Joe Mixon going, getting the run game going makes everything so much easier in terms of staying on schedule and keeping Joe Burrow protected and upright. 
It does, especially now since he's banged up, right? And, you know, he might not have 50 throws in that pinky. Certainly has him in the arm, but you want him to be accurate. You want him to be precise. You want him to be on target. And he certainly was during the, the part of Thursday's practice that I saw, hit chase for a deep ball, slant, stuff like that. At the same time, how many of those does he have? Right. In, in how many hits is he going to be able to take all of those things? So the fact alone that his pinky is less than 100 percent, that he is dinged up, that, that alone to me, regardless of everything else that you said, which was all good points, is why you, you want to get Joe Mixon involved. But, yeah, everything else, too, because you don't want to get behind. You don't want to give your defense, put your defense in a, a bad spot against a physical offense that is going to try to attack. Uh, on the ground in, in this dynamic, weird, unique run game that they don't really see much of. Uh, Lou Anaruma on Thursday called it, it wasn't Baltimore light, but it was like Baltimore-esque or something like that. And I'm paraphrasing, it might not be exact, but Baltimore was mentioned because it's a tough run game to stop. So offensively, really for the first time this year, and it needs to start Sunday and it needs to continue over the next five weeks, can you stop putting the defense in crappy positions? And to your point, it's turnovers. They need to find a way to stop turning the ball over. And I, I don't know. I think a lot of them are weird. Like the Jamar Chase one's just weird. Like some of them are bad luck. Some of them are undisciplined. Some of them are fundamentals. Well, it needs to be cleaned up now. Just like if they had 15 penalties last week. And I know it's two different things, but we would be talking about how penalties need to, to be much, much less and much lower. This team doesn't have an issue with penalties, but they have an issue with turnovers. It needs to be fixed and it needs to be fixed starting Sunday against the 49ers if they're going to make the playoff run that everybody is hoping that they make, at least yeah, everybody think, in Cincinnati. <laughs> I, I, we certainly are on this podcast because we haven't gotten to cover a playoff right. Bengals team. I don't think since right. Locked On Bengals was first conceived in your first stint, that was post-2015, correct? Locked On Bengals debuted after the Denver game. It was a loss to Denver, I believe, in 2016. So, yes, yeah. no, no Locked On Bengals postseason yet. We need to get to the postseason. I agree with you. Yeah, and, and uh, no winning season either, correct? Or was there one winning season in there before things really went no. off the rails? Some six and seven win seasons. Some big big Tyler Boyd dagger to the Ravens right. moments, but that's, uh, that's about it. Maybe, maybe we're the problem. James. No, but you keep bringing it up in different ways. And, and it's like, uh, yeah, because it wouldn't be, it would be me. Well, I guess there was a stint where I wasn't here either. So it would be us. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's not our fault. Bengals fans. Um, it's, uh, it's the Bengals, but that could change if they stop turning the ball over starting now. Yeah. We, we could have our first locked on Bengals winning season. I think, you know, you and I agree. We would love that. Just, Talking game script, though, for, for some of the stuff we talked about, you want the 49ers to have to rely on Jimmy G. Listen to our crossover yesterday. Listen to Crocky and, and Brian Peacock talk about how when Jimmy Garoppolo has to throw, what was it, like 30-plus passes or something, the 49ers almost never win. And I, I think you're going to see that this week as well. But beyond that, I talked yesterday, much to some Bengals fans' chagrin, apparently, about Trent Williams and George Kittle and the threat that those guys present in yep. the run game. And you look at where San Francisco has had the most success running the ball, and it, it's exactly 
where you'd imagine when they go outside left tackle, they're averaging over six yards per carry this year on 48 tries. They also like to go right end. They, they like to stress. And I talked about this on the crossover yesterday. They like to stress you horizontally in the run game. So they've got 48 rushes outside left end this year. They've got 52 rushes outside right end this year per PFF, averaging five and a half yards per carry to the right side outside. So in both directions, and we've seen this before, we saw it the last time the Bengals played the 49ers. You've seen it with, with Cleveland games. Teams are going to try to threaten the edge and run outside against the Bengals. And if Kyle Shanahan is smart, He's going to look at his splits and say, you know what, when we try to run up the middle and we average, you know, three yards per carry, and that's where DJ Reader and Larry Ogunjobi and BJ Hill and Josh Tupo are hanging out, maybe Mm -hmm. we won't try that. Maybe we'll just run behind Trent Williams the whole game. And you know what makes that a whole lot harder to do is a 14-point deficit. So you, you get off to a hot start, you score some points early, you keep the scripted stuff going in the positive way it's been going, eliminate the turnovers, find a way to continue the emphasis that's clearly shown up this year, punching the ball out the way this team does, try to create your own turnovers, and there is a recipe for success. Obviously, when you when you win the turnover battle, as coaches love to point out, you're you're likely to win the game. But to me, if you get them early, and you try to make Jimmy G throw the ball, that makes the 49ers a much easier team to deal with in terms of where their threats are and how they challenge you as an opponent. Yeah, that, no, that's fair. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Lou Rumo, by the way, was asked about potentially moving Hendrickson on Thursday. And he says they were open to it. Obviously, you're not expecting Anarumo to, and, and that trade's ready for it if they decide to do that. Obviously, Lou's not going to be like, yeah, we're moving him. We like the matchup better. He's not going to say that to us. But it's clear. I mean, you you read what's coming out of San Francisco and people that know the 49ers well, and then you look at the Bengals and what Sam Hubbard does well and what Trey Hendrickson does. And this is the third episode in a row we've talked about this. It's what they should do. They should move him, not permanently, but at least some, at least try it, see, because maybe you do get some heat on Jimmy Garoppolo when it's third and eight and they have to pass it and you put Trey Hendrickson over there, that type of situation. So uh, certainly something I want to see. The other thing, uh, grabbing momentum early, and and I want to clarify this, at least on my end, I don't need Mixon to have eight carries on their first drive and I don't need them to dink and dunk it necessarily. I'm okay with the shot play on the second play of the game. Like if, you know, cause if, if they win the coin toss and, uh, in, you, you know, they'll defer, but if they lose the coin toss, we'd probably expect the 49ers to defer Bengals get the ball first seven, nothing, seven, nothing. And so I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they dial up a shot play for chase and Higgins and then have Boyd over the middle, something like that. So, um, they do need to get off to a better start game script matters so much. And I would not be shocked. Like I said, on defense, if Trey Hendrickson moves at least a little bit, even though we haven't seen it, just because it it seems like Lou's adapted a bit, Trey Hendrickson's willing to do anything for the team, and if this is the best way to do it, I think that they're all going to agree. Because it's it's hard to, to switch as a pass rusher like that if you're not used to it, but I, I think he's up for the challenge. Just looking at his history, I think the most plays he's had on the left side of the defense – like in the last three years, it's probably like 12 snaps 
outside on the left. Like he's been such a right side dominant pass rusher. So it'll be really interesting to see because we were talking with Brian and, and Eric Crocker yesterday. Those guys were like, we don't like Tom Com- Compton at right tackle. Who's going to beat him this whole game? And we're like, well, they don't have their dynamic pass rusher over there. It's Sam Hubbard. He's more of the run defender. And they're like, oh, well, they should they should flip him. And we're like, yeah. Well, so to me, it's, it's nice that Lou didn't shut it down. Mm-hmm. To me, that means that they're legitimately th- – maybe it's gamesmanship on his part, in which case kudos to him for being clever. But sounds like it's something they're seriously considering. And there's still some more things to seriously consider about this game. I know we we got some predictions yesterday, but more to talk about certainly in this one. And we'll finish up coming up next. Foutened in 2009, Stance of Power represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. I first heard about Stance when my guy D. Wade right there, my favorite basketball player of all time. I know I got some Kobe stuff too, but D. D Wade is the guy for me when uh, you know D. Wade invested in the company way back then. And they have such a unique, awesome brand full of pop culture's hottest collaborators for ultimate in-style self-expression. And man, it's great, great quality stuff, whether it's something like the NBA, like I mentioned, maybe it's Disney, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, The Office, which I'm currently streaming for like the 57th time right now. Stance has something for everyone. And Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Those who feel good do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code locked on. That's all you got to do. Stance.com promo code locked on. The holidays are here. You can save some money and get maybe yourself an awesome gift or, or someone you love an awesome gift with stance. Again, stance.com promo code locked on for 15% off. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or Could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, Dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I could use some new colorful socks. You know my favorite pair of socks, James, before we dive back into this matchup? I have my best friend's dog. You know that every Christmas you get the ads for the dog face on your socks? Yep. I wear those when I need a pick me up. When I need to feel happy, I, I go grab my Koba socks and they cheer me up. When I whenever I look down, I catch a glimpse of them, you know. It's I, a, I hope I hope you don't have to wear those socks on Sunday at about eight Eastern. Yeah. I would Eastern. I would rather wear some some stance socks that are mood neutral. I don't I don't need the pick me up. Maybe I need to get hyped up a little bit or or, or something like that, but uh either way. 
looking at the quarterback matchup here, James, this is why game script is important, but looking at the quarterback matchup, Jimmy G is, is this being of chaos. It seems when, when he's protected, he has, he has great numbers, completing 70% of his passes, nearly nine yards per attempt. He, he's not putting the ball into much danger. According to Pro Football Focus, when he's kept clean, only putting the ball in danger about 2.5% of the time, which still gives you some opportunities. But when he's under pressure, he's putting the ball in turnover-worthy play situations 8.5% of the time. You get pressure on Jimmy G, you almost yep. have a one in ten chance you're going to come away with the ball, and and that's why they try to hide him so much. I, I think mm-hmm. that's why they, you know, try to call plays the way they do. They try to make your rules work against you, as Brian put it yesterday on the crossover. But man, if you can find a way to get that pressure, and this is where I just keep thinking. This week I've been thinking about Osai a little bit more than normal, and, and wishing that they had. Joseph oh, Osai for passing downs this week. But if, if they can find a way to get pressure specifically with four, and I know we've said this before, but find those clutch pressures to really aid that turnover quest, that would be huge this week because Jimmy G has a very clear track record of cracking under pressure. So game script and pressure, obvious keys every week, but especially I think this week with Jimmy Garoppolo's stark splits. And when you were describing that and getting heat on Jimmy G, I couldn't help but think, all right, interior. All right, BJ Hill. All right, Larry Ogunjobi. And and I know it's not fair to DJ Reed about, you know, all right, interior guys, it's time to go now. It's time to win because they need someone else. And maybe it's Sam Hubbard, by the way. Maybe it is him. Maybe he does take advantage of that side and, and you know, do – his thing because he's shown it and, and he could end up with double digit sacks this year, but he's not like Trey. All right. He's not like Trey Hendrickson where he's going to make a move, go through a dude with a spin or, you know, a swim move and, and win and get the sack. He just very rarely is at that. Usually it's a coverage sack where he's hustling and then he dives for the quarterback and he gets him or Lamar scrambling in the pocket and, and Hubbard sheds the, the block and is able to make a tackle, something like that. Um, so yeah, I looked at the interior. Can they get pressure up the middle? Can they find a way where they get consistently good Larry Ogunjobi, BJ Hill, which we've obviously he's having a, a great season and he's been everything they could have imagined and more when they traded for him. Um, because if that happens, it's twofold. Not only do you need to to get pressure on the interior to make life easier and, and take some pressure literally off of Hendrickson, but it means they're probably going to be able to slow down this 49ers rushing attack at least a little bit. If they're winning, I get it that, you know, the stats up the middle, but if you're winning there, it's going to make life easier on these linebackers, Joe Batchy trying to, uh, you know, track down whoever's playing running back for the 49ers. So it would, uh, it would have a, a multifold impact. And then who knows, maybe the Bengals can force multiple turnovers for what, what is it? The, it would be a fourth straight game that they forced multiple turnovers, if, if I recall that correctly. So, uh, you know, they're uh, in a good spot, I think, to do that if they get pressure on him. Yeah, you've seen a positive turnover trend for the defense. You just hope that the offense can clean it up. And it's just this thing where every week, I think, this week they'll clean it up. The fluky penalties will go away, be, or the fluky turnovers will go away because it is truly, it feels like so many of them are just 
this doesn't normally happen. This is weird. These are weird turnovers. These are not things that you would expect or budget for. And uh, the, the Chargers fans that decided to get into the YouTube comments, James got mad at me for saying that the Chargers didn't earn their turnovers. So, uh, you know, I think that it's been a positive direction for the Bengals. But when you talk about Larry Ogunjobi, he has been, you know, a pretty good pass rusher this year for the most part. There is an opportunity there up the middle. Did you know that B.J. Hill is the second highest graded Bengals defensive player by PFF with at least, say, 300 snaps or so? Really? Just behind uh, Reader? Behind only Reader. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it has to be Reader, but... He, he's wow. in a dead heat with Cheeto, who I think last I saw, by the way, Cheeto, which is why I'm pressing and hoping that he's going to play fifth ranked. I think I saw a cornerback by PFF this year overall. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's a big and loss. We, and yeah, we haven't talked have. about him very much, but maybe not as important this week without Debo Samuel and, and the big threat being George Kittle and coming up with a plan to, to defend George Kittle. And this is probably the last thing we should talk about And on the defensive side of the ball is the 49ers have success over the middle of the field and they've remembered that, Oh yeah, this George Kittle guy happens to be a freak. Who's really good at football and the Bengals will need a plan to deal with that. Yeah. It's a huge challenge with Cheeto without Cheeto. It's, it's such a, you know, he's a dynamic, dynamic tight end and he's more complete than the other tight ends they faced. He just is <laughs> because he can do it. Like you've mentioned uh, multiple times, Great, great, great blocker, but he is dynamic, and and you have to account for that. And if not, they're going to make you pay. And by the way, if I'm the 49ers and I want to make life easier on Jimmy Garoppolo on third and eight, well, where am I looking? It's pretty easy, right? You're looking for this big tight end that is just going to be so tough to cover. And even when you do cover him, he, he can make a play. And, and after the catch, man, he is special too. So uh, we're going to be really tough to contain him. I do wonder – what they do. Is this a, a Trey Flowers thing? I, I don't think so, by the way. Um, is this a Trey Waynes thing? Or is this, and I have a point before we go, I want to make about Waynes if he does play. Or is this a Jesse Bates thing? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Jesse Bates declined uh, talking this week. Didn't want to talk uh, after the game. Hasn't talked to the media. Might be sick of us. Might be sick of uh, playing poorly. But Jesse Bates hasn't played uh, as well as he certainly expected, as well as everybody expected coming into this year. And at some point, the Bengals need him to. And, uh, and you know, maybe that's this week. And I'm not saying he's going to go one-on-one or anything like that. Um, at, at the same time, it'd be nice if 30 showed up and had a game. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a tough season for Jesse Bates. And obviously you and I think that he's a great player that's just not having a great season. And you you hope that at any point the light bulb just comes back on, right? And he rips off some incredible games and starts making a difference the way he did for this defense last year as the firemen putting out all the fires with all the guys off the street playing on that team. Like he was such an incredible part of that defense last year. And now the, the rest of the defense is better and... It's just not been the season he's hoped for. So I agree with you. It'd be nice to see Jesse Bates turn that light back on, but I think it's got to be a team approach to Kittle. And and similar to Waller, it's hard to treat a tight end the way you treat a Jamar Chase. You can't just, you know, say, okay, we're going to put a court. We're going to put a safety over the corner. We're just going to have help over the top and we'll have multiple guys that he has to beat. 
it's just harder to do that with tight ends because they're accustomed to getting in behind your linebackers, finding the hole in the zone, sitting down, attacking the seams of, of certain defenses. And Kyle Shanahan's going to know when and how to do that. So it's going to be a team effort, I think. Reroute mm-hmm. him at the line of scrimmage, get get good contact on him from the linebackers if you're trying to disrupt him getting into his route. But he's just, you know, obviously a great player. And so looking forward to the defensive ideas to to slow him down. And maybe we're not giving enough credit to some of the Bengals offensive weapons because I guarantee you that Jamar Chase is going to get out of this slump and it might be this week, and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. are going to continue to stress defenses. We can't forget about the Bengals' weapons, and that's maybe a reason to think that, you know, if they can get off to this good start and lean on their strengths, just as they have in all of their wins this year, that they can get to 8-5 and five and get back on track. James, you wanted to make a point about Trey Waynes. I think you did your prediction yesterday, but let's yeah. get your point about Trey Waynes here real quick. Yeah. Uh, so as far as the weapons go, real quick, I, I I agree with you. One, I think Chase is going to get out of the slump. Two, I think if the Bengals are going to make the playoffs, as much as we just praise the defense and everything like that with the injuries, it's going to be because of these weapons, even more so. More pressure on Chase, more pressure on Higgins and Boyd and Mixon, uh, to, and obviously Burrow to perform at a high level. That being said, if there's a game that you could have Trey Wayne's out there, look, I think it was weird when he signed a couple of years ago, almost two years, two years in, in March. And everyone's talking about how good of a tackler he was, right? You don't sign a corner to be a great tackler. Like that's just a weird praise, even though it's true, right? Well, they need him to tackle his ass off if he plays on Sunday with all those wide runs and things like that. So I do think if there's a game you want Waynes, it could be this one. And uh, as far as prediction, yeah, I'm not leaning uh, any different. Nothing has changed. I'm leaning 49ers 30 to 27 close game. Wouldn't be shocked if it goes the other way. Uh, I just, to me, that, that run game, the Bengals injuries, and uh, I, I need to see this offense put together cl- a clean four quarters of football where they are explosive without turning the ball over and, and not aided by a bunch of mistakes. If Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't turn the ball over on Sunday at all, this offense needs to find a way to put up enough points to beat him anyways. And, and that's uh, much, much easier said than done. So I, I'll say 30, 27, 49ers. Yeah. And for me, I, I'm still very 50, 50. I know some people are mad about that too. People like to be mad at me lately. That's fine. But the, the thing for, for this game is can the 49ers find the offense with all the injuries they have at running back without Debo Samuel? I know last week it was George Kittle for 181 but they only scored 23 points and the Seattle Seahawks are having a very bad season. I know they're more familiar with the 49ers and all this, but when they've won games in the last little bit, they scored 33 and beat Chicago. They scored 31 and beat LA. They scored 30 to beat Jacksonville. They scored 34 to beat Minnesota. Arizona beat them 31, 17. Seattle beat them 30 to 27. You look at their last six weeks, whoever scores 30 points wins. And only one team is scoring 30 points in those games. All the way back to week seven, coming off their bye week against the Colts when they lost 30 to 18. So 30, as it has been this year frequently, James, appears to once again be the magic number. And for me, the big question is, can the 49ers coaching staff do enough to manufacture offense to get to 30 points? And can the Bengals offensive players take care of the ball 
And can Zach Taylor, you know, obviously put together a nice game for Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and the and the weapons here because they should be able to get to 30 if things don't go off the rails again. And I think maybe the 49ers have a bigger question to answer there with some of their offensive injuries, but we'll find out. Maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic than I should be, despite everybody out there that thinks I'm a hater. There's a little bit of optimism for those folks. That's going to do it for this episode. You hater. Jake, yeah. hater. Man, look at me. I guess, I mean, I'm no Paul Daner. What was he? He projected the Bengals would be nine and two if all the picks went his way. But, uh, you know, what, I guess when you see Joe Burrow, it's just hard to doubt the guy sometimes. You know, I know he's lost some games this year. It's just hard to doubt the guy every week. And that's why we're optimistic about this team, I think. Or at least I am. Not going to speak for you, James. Uh, let's wrap up there. We're back on Sunday. It's a late game, so we'll be back late Sunday. They pushed it to 425 kickoff. Not even 4 o'clock. I got to wait till 425, just like everybody else. Man, brutal, brutal push. But at least more people will see it. On Sunday after the game, James Rapine and I will be back to recap and react. Until then, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.